right hand, puts her down. He's going to dump him hard to the ice. Brady Leopold just loves to fight. Ladies and gentlemen. My dream of being a professional hockey player became a reality, but it was all taken away from me in a very short period of time. For many years, hockey was my outlet. Hockey was my drug. When I had a stick in my hand, nothing else mattered. I was able to break into the Western Hockey League in 2004, and I even won the Swift Current Broncos Rookie of the Year. During the summer of my rookie year, I experimented with drugs for the first time. After just seven games in my sophomore season, I walked away from the Swift Current Broncos due to personal reasons. Nobody knew I had been sexually abused at the age of five. I did everything to hide it from everybody, but I just couldn't take it. Drugs and alcohol now took over my life. I did return to the Swift Current Broncos as a 19-year-old, but things were never the same. I was eventually traded to the Kelowna Rockets in my final year of junior where I got to play on a line with the Dallas Stars captain, Jamie Benn, and one of my best friends, the extremely talented Colin Long. It was by far my best season ever, and I even signed with the Tampa Bay Lightning's organization. A dream come true, right? That's when everything went wrong. First it was the cocaine, then came the Oxycontin, and that led me into a 12-year journey into the deepest pits of hell. Within two years, I had now made the switch to heroin, fentanyl, and everything in between, and I was now an intravenous drug user. Multiple suicide attempts and over five trips to the psych ward, I was a shadow of who I once was. By 2014, I was homeless on Hastings in Vancouver, the worst street in North America. By 2015, I was a wanted criminal, making the Crime Stopper headlines more than once. After spending three years in jail, I had completely given up. With nowhere to turn and nowhere to go, I finally started to get honest. I took a chance and made some major changes. This is my story. I overdosed over 10 times. I'm one of the lucky ones. And for that, I will always be grateful. This is for all the men and women we've lost. Matthew Lazinski, Mitch Fadden, this one's for you. My name's Brady Liebold, and I've been to hell and back. This is the road to recovery. What's going on, guys? Welcome. Hockey to hell and back. Episode number 54. I'm Brady Liebold coming at you guys live from Gravenhurst, Ontario. You can see the new backdrop. I'm so grateful that you guys are all here. If you haven't heard, I came to an agreement with True Hockey. That's right. You can see them now. They're powering pretty much everything that I'm doing, including the rollerblade across Canada to start May 28th. 2022 i got fitted for some skates the other day and uh, a bunch of other stuff sticks all that stuff they're going above and beyond so thank you to everybody at true hockey uh it's incredible to think about where i was not too long ago 
Uh, and now I sit here almost 16 months clean with a future ahead of me. I'm seriously trying to hold back tears because it was really that bad, as you guys know, if you've been following along. Thank you to everyone for your continued support. Some of you from day one. I also want to say to everybody, happy Pride Month. You can't really see it behind me, but I got pride tape behind me. We're going to do a giveaway, give away some pride tape later, later compliments of all my good friends over there at pride tape. I was at the rink of dreams yesterday down in Toronto with David and Elise. And, uh, we had it on full display on the, uh, on the boards there. We made sure everybody went home with the roll of pride tape, which was very, very, very cool. And, uh, well, we're on the topic, uh, as you can see behind me, the, the memory in, in, in memory wall is growing, excuse me there, uh, of all those that we've lost. And typically we honor those who have lost their battle with things like suicide or overdose. And if you look at that picture, there's some new faces in there. That's right. Tragically, it continues to happen in the hockey community. Tonight, we are not honoring somebody that we lost to suicide or overdose, but somebody very, very, very important in the hockey community, Brendan Burke. You can see him behind me when I bring the picture down. Uh, he's uh, one of the big inspirations behind the equality movement, certainly in the hockey community. He's obviously the son of Brian Burke. He was an athlete and student manager at Miami University for the Red Hawks men ice hockey team. The the youngest son of Brian Burke, uh, and in 2009, he made international headlines for coming out, advocating for tolerance, and speaking out against homophobia in professional sports. Burke's coming out was widely praised and supported by sports news outlets and fans alike, generating multiple discussions about homophobia in sports and in hockey in particular. He was viewed as a pioneer in advocacy against homophobia and hockey is described as the closest person to the NHL ever to come out publicly and say that he was gay. Burke was tragically killed in a car accident on February 5th, 2010. Following his death, Burke's memory and contribution to the LGBTQ awareness community and hockey was honored by several hockey teams. The Brendan Burke internship was later established in honor by USA Hockey. Burke's death was the catalyst for the formation of the You Can Play Project, a campaign to end homophobia in sports. So tonight, we honor Brendan Burke uh, for all the amazing work that he's done, and he'll never be forgotten here at Puck Support. And I know there's a lot of people um, out there that are continually bringing his name up in important conversations. He's really paved the way for so many uh, in, the, in the sport community. And we just think of him tonight and the entire Burke family. I'm going to take it away to one sponsor and we'll get right into the episode, guys. Hi there, it's Regan Bartell, the play-by-play voice of the Kelowna Rockets, Brady Leovold's biggest fan. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being a part of something bigger. A community for all striving towards the same goal. TeamIssue.ca promo code TOEDRAG15 for 15% off. Wow, I'm reading the uh, comments already and I'm taking some heat from my dad. Tank Top seriously says, obviously, my dad doesn't know that it's 32 degrees outside where I am right now. So that's what I have to say to you, dad. 
Well, we're on the topic of horns and excitement. I want to give a very special congratulation to our friend Taya Curry, who was just drafted by the OHL Sarnia Sting. If you guys watched the show with Tara Sloan, uh, she joined us at the end of the episode in in hopes of being drafted, and she did it. She set the bar so high and opened the doors for so many females. I chatted with Taya quickly yesterday, and when things calm down a little bit, she's going to come back on the show. So congratulations to Taya. And uh, I'm going to get to a couple things at the end of the show, but I know my guest has been patiently waiting. It was his birthday weekend, fellow Kelowna Rockets. So you guys know how this goes. We'll see you guys in just a few minutes. Well, we took a week off, but we're back at it. And I'm so excited about this episode. And let me tell you how this interview came about. As most of you guys know, I've become close friends with Curtis Gabriel, who was recently nominated for the King Clancy Award for the incredible work he's done surrounding LGBTQ and equality in our game of hockey. But he's also a puck support warrior, and I'm really proud to just call him a friend. And a few days ago, he asked if I had ever heard of a guy by the name of Jesse Astles. I responded with, why do I know that name? He proceeded to tell me who he was, and I said, ah, yes, I remember watching him on the road to the Memorial Cup when he was with the Saskatoon Blades. And then Curtis told me that Jesse has a story that may be very close to my heart and one that I want to hear. And so the introduction was made. And for the past couple of days, the three of us have been going back and forth on a group chat, and it didn't take long for Jesse to agree to come on the show, which Curtis and myself were both excited about. Jesse Astles is originally from right around where I'm from in the Coquitlam, British Columbia area. And he was drafted to the Western Hockey League by the Kelowna Rockets back in 2008 in the sixth round, 120th overall. Astles would break into the Western Hockey League during the 2009-2010 season with the Kelowna Rockets and would play for them for the next three seasons before moving on to the Saskatoon Blades and then the Tri-City Americans in his final year of junior. Astles was known as a guy that liked to shed the mitts, stick up for his teammates, and do whatever it takes to help his team win. And on one particular occasion during a line brawl, he was severely injured when his wrist got stepped on. He almost bled to death, waking up in the hospital, losing over half of his blood. There's no question that Astles is very lucky to be alive after surviving such a traumatic experience. Though it would take a lot of physical therapy to get him back on the ice, there was even more of an uphill battle to climb surrounding his mental health, dealing with things like PTSD and alcoholism. After appearing in 229 regular season games in the Western Hockey League, Jesse Astles did turn pro, appearing with the Stockton Thunder and the Allen Americans during the 2014-15 season in the East Coast Hockey League. The following season, he did not play for reasons undisclosed to me, but I'm hoping we'll learn a little bit more about that today. He did return to the Colorado Eagles and the Tulsa Oilers of the ECHL the following year, appearing in just a handful of games. And that's where his Elite Prospects page ends. And I'm very, very curious as to what his life has been like since retiring from hockey. I really don't have a lot of the details. All I know is that Curtis Gabriel thought that him and I should connect. So without further ado, let's hear from the man himself, now living in Maple Ridge, British Columbia, the hometown of my kids, Brooklyn and Brody. 
my new friend, Jesse Astles. Let's go. What's going on, buddy? Doing well. Thanks for having me, Brady. Hey, man. My it's pleasure. Before, before we get going, happy birthday, buddy. Uh, thank you very much, man. Thank you. How old, How old are you? I just turned 28. Oh, getting old, eh? Getting old. Yeah, still 58. <laughs> well, hey, wait until you're 34, buddy. No uh, kidding, man. No yeah, kidding. so, well, first off, thanks for doing this. I know it was your birthday on the 4th there, but obviously a busy weekend and so happy that we're able to connect, buddy. Like, um, I don't know a whole lot about your story other than the fact that we both played in Kelowna. We're both Western League guys, and, and you were drafted the year that was my final season there, uh, which is kind of cool. And, uh did you grow up in Coquitlam? Is that where you grew up? Uh, originally, I grew up in Quebec. Um, I was born in Gatineau, Quebec. That's right. Uh, my parents uh, divorced, and my mom and my sister moved out here when I was 12. And uh, hey. yeah, and moved to uh, East Van for, I think, a couple of years, and then straight to Coquitlam after that. And been pretty much around here ever since. Yeah. Right on East yeah. Van. I know East Van all too well, man. But the bad, <laughs> but the very bad parts of East Van. Um, yeah, yeah, of course, not same here. <laughs> oh yeah, maybe we'll we'll dive right into that. But we'll get into uh, that. Yeah, I'm I'm really thankful, man, that you've come on here. Have you uh, had an opportunity to share much about this in the past? My here's the thing. My story has been pretty hidden. Um, for the most part, um, recently, uh, like I've told you, I recently just got clean a year ago. Um, and uh, as soon as I got out of treatment, I just, to be honest, I didn't have a phone for like such a long time, right? And when I was, when I landed in addiction. And so uh, as soon as I got a phone, I just opened up my social media accounts back up and Next thing I knew, I was just getting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of messages from friends and family, you know, um, wondering where the hell I've been and if I'm alive and, um, you know, those types of messages. And um, it was overwhelming. And um, but at the same time, um, it was a good feeling because I just seen how many people actually cared about me and loved me. Right. And um, it was a good feeling, but also, like I said, overwhelming. And I just, one by one, I just started messaging people like, hey, bro, hey, man, like, I'm here, I'm alive, you know, and yeah. uh, it was a good feeling. And then all I got back was, I'm so happy. I'm just, I'm so proud. And, you know, you've been there, you know, and um, it was, it was a good feeling and yeah, that's just how it started. And um, slowly, I just, you know, I'm very, I'm a very private person. And yeah. uh, I just slowly, like, there's a handful of guys of people, I would say, in my in my life that really know what I've been through. Um, and so I just, like I said, not, not to separate others, you know, out of my circle and my life. It's just I felt more comfortable sharing some some stuff to certain people like my girlfriend and yep. uh, a couple of my best friends and uh yeah i just started from there and uh because you know i had i've had a lot of stuff bottled up and feel free to swear if you want to let it out too it's, it's yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, i've had a, lot, had a lot of shit bottled up man and um 
for a lot of years, probably since I've been 12 years old, yeah, probably even younger. Um, but yeah, like I said, uh, it just started from there, social media and just saying a couple of things here and there to friends. And um, you, sure enough, you know, word got around that like, hey, Jesse's actually alive and doing good. And um, and I just started getting more messages from other people and that I didn't even have their numbers and, and things like that, right? And it was a good feeling, man. And just slowly just been going day by day ever since man well it's it's awesome to hear and i think there's an important message in that story is is you know you, I, you hit it right off the top with saying you know not realizing how many people cared right and i think at least for me when i was in my addiction it was like man like i'm not nobody cares uh, i burnt every bridge i'm a piece of shit like uh you know there's no coming back from this i'm just i'll give up i'm not playing hockey anymore my life is worth nothing and uh and, and it's pretty amazing when you when you put yourself <laughs> when you put yourself out there um just to Sorry, just to my laptop <laughs> hey, don't don't worry about it buddy um i, I want to ask you quickly i mean cuz you know, taking it back to the Western Hockey League days and, and that, like, where did where did really, like, what was it? Was it drinking or, or drugs primarily? Um, was your, were your issues? Was it both? And, and where did it start, if you don't mind, you know, kind of sharing that? I think that's kind of where people, the, the important message is, is where does it start, you know? Are you there? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, and feel free to not, you don't have to share anything you don't want to share. You don't have to share, but uh, I'm just curious is because I've heard a lot of, a lot of people on this show, guys in particular that played major junior told me, and, and I wasn't one of them, but a lot of them said, you know, they hadn't had a drink until rookie party. And then all of a sudden they drink and they get that confidence and they get kind of on that, that path. And they're like, wow, I kind of like how this feels. So I'm just curious as to where it started for you. Um, so it, it, it kind of started, here's the thing. So I'm first, I'm first nations. That's right. I'm not going straight racial here with like, oh, it's in my gene. It's in my blood, you know, family line. Here's the thing. It, it does run in my family. Yeah. Um, I never had a problem with anything until I was really, I would say nine near the end of my season when I was 19 years old. That's when the injury happened, correct? Yeah. 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 Um, I drank, I, 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 I've got numerous teammates who can vouch for me on this. I would drink my face off, but I knew when to shut it off. Right. And until honestly deep, but here's the thing. When my injury happened, uh, I, I got into this, depression obviously because like you said what am i going to do without hockey my life's over that's where i was at automatically like mentally as soon as this injury happened because it was just so severe and like you need your hands for hockey <laughs> right so and i couldn't with the uh, with without like i could i without all the strength in the world i couldn't move a finger with my right hand so um i severed all my nerves and ligaments right so it was just devastating such a devastating injury that 
right? And mentally, mental wise, it was just grueling because being such a strong athlete and like, you know, put the enforcer tough guy aside, but like, you know, strong athlete being such, being so independent to like your, your physical uh, dependency. And then you get, you, you can't even move a finger. It's just like, uh, to me as a, myself, it just started deteriorating me mentally. And I was taking so many steps back instead of being positive. I mean, the only positive side of, of it was I was, I started physio uh, probably like a couple weeks before I was supposed to because one, my, my trainers were like, you can do this, um, you know, uh, if you get at it right away, you can, you know, pretty much get a head start on it. And, you know, at, at, at that age and where you're playing, you kind of have no choice but to say yes, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, but at the same time, I wanted to, right? So I, I did it. I went to physio like three times a week. It was hell. It was absolutely hell. Um, but I would go home and still be in that negative mind space and, uh, you know, be totally uh, against myself almost. Uh, and just, you know, the closest thing was, you know, alcohol and hate to say this, right. But like, I didn't, I didn't drive at the time. And so, you know, I would go in the liquor cabinets and the billets, right. And yep. do those little rat stuff and, uh instead or go out with the guys right and but uh, at that time i was always i was that closet drinker right and uh, i didn't want to show anything right all all people knew was i was hurt i was injured and i was out for 51 games i believe right um that's about it right but it just got worse and worse from that and also i've had some pretty severe bad like childhood trauma Mm-hmm. You know, I was, um, you know, I've gone through the ringer with family uh, abuse, mm-hmm. uh, verbal and physical, uh, since I was a child till about 20 years old, uh, physical. So it was, a lot of it was uh, that drinking just opened up a, a lot of doors uh, for me. And in in, uh, once I, after going through like, depression and addiction i've learned a lot about what the brain the the triggers and all that type of stuff you know and it just uh like i said opened up a lot of floodgates in my head and um everything just hit me at once my childhood and then my injury uh, i just went into a dark spiral um yeah and it just kind of that's pretty much where it started brady um Deep down, like I've had a lot of people ask me that. Um, I've had a, numerous talks and treatment about that. And uh, deep down, I, you know, I've rewinded the tape numerous times. And deep down, I truly think that's what caused my caused me to go in that dark path was my childhood and yeah. uh, my my injury. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, first off, you know, I as a I was sexually abused as a kid, and that was something that I didn't talk about a lot, man. Like, I never told anybody till I was 26. I never really started to tell people till I was, like, 32, 33, like, just recently. And that's, you know, and at the same time that happened, my parents 
split up as well. So people kind of chopped it up to, okay, well, he's missing his mom because I live primarily with my dad, but they didn't know that at all. All those things happen right around the same time. And so I used hockey as my outlet as like, you know, to, you know, same problem. Yeah, an escape, right? And then you all of a sudden... Uh, I got injured my first year pro. I blew out my knee and, you know, the doctors uh, gave me some Oxycontin and, you know, I knew what they were. I had friends that were, you know, into them and I had tried them before, but nothing like that. Mm -hmm. I had this bottle sitting there and all of a sudden I, I'm like, wow, I, I remember the first time I ever snorted an Oxy and I was like, and I'm sorry if this is subliminal for anybody in recovery out there or whatever, but I remember like puking my brains out, but thinking like, wow, this is awesome. Like, I love the way this feels. And I didn't find out, I didn't find out till years later yeah. that, that the, that, that, specific drug and opiate will actually hit your brain on the same part that is needed to for things like the childhood trauma that I had experienced. Right. And then maybe you have too. And so that was like, wow. And it was like, wow, I don't even need to play hockey anymore to f get this escape. I can just do this and I feel great. And all of a sudden you wake up and it's like 10 years later and I'm like doing two years in jail after being homeless on Hastings. And I'm like, where, what happened here? Like, Holy God. shit. What really happened? And so, um, you, you managed to claw back from that though, Jess, like, and, and you know, you, you rounded out your Western league career and, and then turned pro, um, by that time, where were you at physically and mentally when you're done your dub career? Uh, physically, uh, felt like I went through a meat grinder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, just, yeah, with all the fighting and I was fairly a pretty physical player and, um, honestly, uh, part of me regrets wearing those Sherwoods. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do in pro. Those little tiny ones. I regret it now. Um, but I guess it was just that tough guy era type thing back in mm -hmm. the day. And it was easier to fight and, um, you know, things like that. But physically, I'm a little bit regretting it. <laughs> but I'm still able to train fairly hard still. Um, and, you know, be st as active as I am today. And, um, but yeah i mean but where I, when i left the league i was like you said in your intro there i i played a year a year pro in stockton and took a year a year and a half almost two years off yeah because when i stopped playing i my last year in tri-city uh those that year was pretty dark for me um my that whole season was pretty dark for me. Um, not because of fighting. Actually, that year was a year I fought the less, the, the least amount. Um, and uh, it was just family stuff, to be honest. Uh, family and just uh, self doubt. I was I suffered through severe, severe self doubt. More uh, I have most of my life. Yeah. Um, severe like to a point where it's like i yeah like like most people with their anxiety you know um i'm just the opposite with self-doubt instead yeah. it's been pretty bad and some people like i've been like well you've made it so far in hockey like how is it like it's just here's the thing um deep down it's been always most of my life has been family things um I'll just say, man, I'm open. 
um, I'm, an, I'm an honest and open guy after everything I've gone through. And I'm just, you know, I'll just say, like, I've got some severe problems with my mother. I don't speak to my, I haven't spoken to my mother in uh, over a year now. It's just things that I've decided to, choices I've decided to make because it's just better for myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, her and I have always butted heads and it's just, you know, something that I had to change and for my own well-being. And at the time, like I said, in Tri-City, we're going through severe issues and uh, I felt like I was playing for her most of my career. And so the self-doubt came in with like, it's not good enough. Uh, I didn't fight twice. It wasn't good enough. Or like if I didn't like... Yeah, it was never good enough, right? So, and then I'd come home, get my ass whooped, you know? And it's, uh, my escape was hockey. And I'm sorry to whoever beat up, man, but, like, I had a lot of anger in fights because mm-hmm. of my mother. <laughs> I yeah. laugh about it now because I, uh, I'm i just, I, I'm over it, right? But, like, deep down, it just, it brought me a lot of pain and anger. And, like you said, hockey is my only escape. And, uh when uh, i finished tri-city like i said i felt like i was playing just for somebody else not myself and i got called up to go to Abbotsford heat and uh i think i hit the i i think i hit the the ice once and it was just a practice and uh, i remember i just went to the coach the next day and i just broke down into tears and that was my first time ever like thought about like stepping back from the sport for good because I was just, I couldn't do it anymore because of self. Like I, I didn't have it in me. Uh, I, like I said, if I was playing, I felt like I was playing for somebody else, which was my mother. And um, it's not fun. You're supposed to play for yourself, You're supposed to play for the boys beside you, um, you know, and uh, it just didn't feel that way whatsoever. And uh, it wasn't right. And even when I stepped down, I was still forced and pushed to go back um, from her. And it was just not right. And it's long story short, like I said, I'm just, I'll get out of it now, man. It's just, it, it, I, I took a step back and uh, I decided to go uh, back to school uh, because of the Rachel has that program, right? Yeah. And so I went back to I went back to school and uh, I went to Lethbridge College and I went to I went there to study conservation. When yeah. at, the, at the time I was I've always I still am I've always been into uh, fishing fishing and hunting and things like that right and at the time I was really into it and uh, I just thought what the hell right but again I was still going through the mental uh trouble and pain and you know and so at the end of the day you can do whatever you want on a daily basis but if that ain't right you ain't gonna get anywhere that's just my perspective right from my own experience and so that's what happened it's exactly what happened i didn't i didn't last three semesters i just like I said, I just started drinking heavily uh, again, and uh, I had I had classes three times a week that first semester. So 
if you're if you've got a, a drinking problem or any type of uh, a bad habit or addiction problem, it's it, that ain't gonna go well for you. Because I had a lot of alone time. I had my own dorm. Yeah. So it just snowballed effect. So I, uh, I like I said, even I lasted one semester. And I knew I had to come home. I was pretty much like the last two weeks I was there, I was nonstop crying and um, pretty much like try. I've tried to take my own life like six times. Right. And once the first time was in Lethbridge with alcohol and uh, Adderall. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, all I could get my hands on. Yeah. I didn't know what else to do. I was, alcohol wasn't doing it. And, uh, yeah, my neighbor was, yeah, just like, like I said, and I remember I called my mom uh, breaking in tears and I said, I can't do this. I'm coming home. And I was a couple of days later, I was on the Greyhound back home, 18 hour bus ride, just bawled my eyes out. And, uh, it was horrible, man. Horrible. Came home and, uh, explained everything pretty much but was so stuck in in the in the in in the dark hole that um it just got worse and uh i yeah i got worse and worse man i I started pretty much drinking every single day every single day um and then uh it led to i didn't start getting into drugs brady until Oh, maybe like the following six months after that, because, uh, once I was drinking so heavily that like I was drinking with buddies that I grew up with, but then your, your tolerance goes up like, uh, and so I would just go off to like, start hanging out with other people, Mm -hmm. you know, like that. Yep. The other type, the other crew in high school that like, yep, that partied but partied a little harder, yep, and stayed up a little later, yep. So I, you know, and I, you, you knew those people, but not really, and you know, so I said, hey, what the hell, Ray? I'll go party with them, and it just that's in recovery. They say you can go this way, or you can go this way. Yeah, I went this way with both hands, yeah. and. You know, it's at the end of the day, it's made me who I am today. But uh, like I said, I just started hanging out with those people a lot more. And one thing led to another. Um, I've got an addictive personality. I've got a pretty open mind on like, oh, I'll try this. You know, yeah. uh, I, I was I've always been a daredevil, you know, like I've never been the guy to be at peer, peer pressured, but like. I was a guy like I'll try it once. What the hell, I'll, you know? So, by the end of the day, it's it's, it's it, it almost caused me my life in those times. Um, yeah, it. Uh, so that's pretty much how it started, like or how it, it started, man. Like, and uh, I ended up coming home. Like, ended up getting kicked out uh of my parents house my uh grandparents place so so 
here's the thing my grandparents have I've got such a I don't know I guess I've got the softest spot for my grandparents because to this day I I, I take my hat off I, I, I to this day I give back whatever I can to this day to them for what they've done um, the, even the devil back then wouldn't have wanted to deal with me it, I you know I, I get emotional to this day still like even when we go out to dinner with I go out to dinner with them and uh, I just you know you know the feeling you've been there right mm-hmm. and so when you have the trust back from your family it's a different feeling right and um, so yeah when I I was at the point where I was my own family didn't want to deal with me and so I was just hanging out with those I was just sort of couch surfing yep right and uh, at one point my best friend I'll to this day, you know, I'll, I'll never forget this. Uh, one of my best friends, his name's Adam Barch. Uh, I remember we were at the bar, and I'd been up for like maybe two weeks. Yep. Been up for two weeks, man. I was, you know, on, on ketamine and cocaine. I was. That's the time I was starting to really let my nose dive, my, my nose dive into things and experiment, kind of thing, you know, because I was going through so much pain and whatever I could do to mask it. Yep. Right. Um, so, and I, like I said, I'll never forget this day. Um, we're at the bar and my best friend Adam knew something was off. You know, we've grown up together for years and he's, he's one of the only guys that knows me like to the core. And, uh, he kept my, kept staring at me and I knew something was off, right? And then I went outside and he pulled me aside and he's like, what the hell's wrong with you? And uh, I was like, what do you mean, Adam? And uh, he just told me, he's like, I know you're not yourself right now. What what have you been doing? Right? You don't look right. And that was the first time I ever flat out, Brady, broke down into tears and just uh partially said my story of like my life and like what's been really bugging me deep down and why I've been going this route and so and he just flat out looked at me and he's like bro I love you just come come live with me I I know what happens at home I know what goes on at your house you come to my house twice a week bawling your eyes out so why don't you just come in and move in with me and I just like and broke down into tears and hugged him and I was like in my head I'm like what what's taken so long? You know, like uh it's like he's an angel. You know, I wish he was beside me so I could hug him. Like this guy is he's my ultimate best friend, man. Like deep down he's the guy that like really started to like he put a seed in my brain. I believe he put a seed in my brain because numerous times in my recovery and in addiction, I was on the streets, I would think about him and I would be like, he'd be so mad at me right now. What he would say to me right now, he, he'd probably just slap me in the face, be like, wake up, Jess, I told you this already. And yeah, I truly believe that he's like sort of planted that seed in me. You know, I, because of that one night and uh, it was in front of like 60, 70 people at a bar. And I was just 
full-blown bawling my eyes out. And it's just, it felt like I had to, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I thank him uh, to this day for that, to be honest. I, yeah. Um, so he took me in for uh, a good year and a half. And uh, I strained out and uh, started seeing a neurologist and started to really like dig deep into like my health and like my well being. And he was on me every day about it as well. And yeah. uh, same with his parents. And next thing I know, I just got in contact uh, with my agent again, which was Shane Corston at the time. And he was like, why don't you start training again? Like, pick up the weights. Like, just go start going for jogs at night. Like, you know? And one thing led to another. And I'm a per I'm a type of guy where, like, if I like something or if something just lights a flame inside of me. Yep. See you later. Yep. <laughs> like, me and you yeah. are so much alike. It's not even <laughs> funny, man. Like, <laughs> You're speaking to the mirror right now. Before you go any further, <clears throat> Adam Barch, is he originally from Poco? Poco uh, originally from Poco, I believe. Yeah. That's where that's my hometown, right? So that's why I, I knew that name. Yeah, I'm a Poco boy originally. So uh, yeah. shout out to him for sure. But yeah, carry, carry on. So you, you started to train and. Yeah, so I'm a, like I said, I'm the type of person that, like, if I like something or if it's lights a flame inside of me, I just go balls to the walls and I'm out. I'm, I'm gonzo. And that's what happened. As soon as I touched the weights and as soon as I started doing any physical type of training that like just anything, um, I just took off, absolutely took off. And it, only, it didn't take me, took me maybe less than a week to actually like start dieting and start actually going like my buddy my adam was like geez you're already going like you're going going man like you know and i that's just ever since then that's just i've just been like that man and um like i said he straightened me out for a good year and a half i put on like whole i came home from call from lethbridge brady i was like 160 pounds I, I was right, and everyone was looking at me like, geez, I'm like, you don't look well, blah, 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 you know, those, you know, the shebang. And I just used it as fuel and I was tired of it. And uh, I just took off with it and put on, I put on so much good weight. And next thing I know, I had this fire back in me and I called my agent. I'm like, I'm go I'm ready to come back. I think I'm want to come back, you know, and he got he started uh making phone calls and the next thing i knew i was getting a phone call from colorado eagles and uh went to camp and uh told coach first of all i told the coach that like he knew i was i had been playing in two years and things like that and i just told him i was like listen like i've been going through this and that and you know i'm just i'm ready to come back and uh i showed it you know, I came back uh, first weekend, first week of skates, and he's like, "It doesn't look like you missed a, a beat." Like he, I, I was determined, right, and ready to go. And uh, and then, unfortunately, um, 
as you know, as a recovering addict, you go, you can go up and then you can go down extremely fast, quicker than you went up. Yeah. And so I believe that's what happened uh, because I was going, I was told, here's the thing. I was told like, you won't have to fight things like that. And uh, I was, to be honest, I was just looking to play hockey. I know I was going to have to fight. I'm not saying I'm, I don't want to. Uh, I'm there for it, but it's I wasn't there just to fight. And it's just, I was getting just tired of it, right? Just simply getting the tap on the shoulder and just being told to go do that certain thing and it's just to go punch the dude in the fucking face and sit in a box and come back on the bench and not be told good job half the time. It's just mm-hmm. fucking, you know what I mean? And go home and drink your fucking face off. That's that's pretty much what it ha- ended up, right? I can I I was away from I was away from Adam. I was uh, from my friend Adam. I was away from every all everybody else. Uh, I was just around a new group of guys who really didn't know me, right? And so I was still going. As soon as I separated myself from uh, like the good, like where I where I built my foundation and now i moved away but at the end of the day i didn't really work that hard on my mental game now that i now that i look back at it because that's why i crumbled and started picking up the bottle again and next thing i know my game went down um and i got traded to uh, oklahoma to 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 tulsa and that's when uh, my drinking got even worse and my game got even worse. I like didn't care about hockey anymore. And, uh, next thing you know, I was, that was the last time I ever skated on the ice was, uh, my last game was in Wichita and I actually scored. Me too, man. My last pro game was in Wichita as well. No word of a lie. Yeah. And I actually scored that game. Um, I did not. <laughs> yeah, my last. <laughs> yeah, my last game in the in pro, I scored, and uh, you know it was it was a weird and it was pretty cool, man. I I I I, I actually it was it was cool. I scored, but then I actually got hurt later on that game, and I, I messed up my knee, and I I left the game early, but we won, and the coach was like coming in the room and stuff, all pumped, and he's like, "Fuck, man, I didn't know you could skate that like Bob." skate that fast blah blah he's like god damn he's actually impressed and next thing you know two days later i was traded uh, or i was put on waivers and i was just like what the f- what the fuck you know and that just mm-hmm. just one thing led to another man and i um moved back here to vancouver and uh sort of went through a uh a relaxation like I slowed down a bit because uh, I knew I had to and kind of like you had people watching over you now too right pretty much yeah yeah much. and yeah and uh that's what I was trying to yeah <laughs> and uh I was on a leash and um uh yeah I just I 
and here's another thing about me is like I, uh, I've got, my, I've got many skills. Like I, 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 I've always been an artist growing okay. up, right? So I've always loved art. I've always been drawing my uh, since I was a kid, and, um, and so, my sister said, "Why don't you start drawing again, or like just keep busy, start doing something." And because uh, I didn't know anything else, didn't do anything else other than hockey and like live, train and hang out with buddies yeah. and get you know party and stuff. So hobby wise, I didn't really have anything, but I I've, I've always been good at art. So I just said, "Fuck it, man! I'll pick up the pen and paper and start drawing." And like I said, man, I, I get my mind hooked on one thing and I just yeah. take off. And that's what happened again. And uh, I just went all into it. And uh, I just went from like small scale to like seven by f seven foot by four feet scales, you know. Wow. And I just, yeah. And it's just how I am as a person, right, I guess. And next thing you know, I was like, you know what, maybe I want to take this even farther. And my family is like, why don't you go to art school or go like, you know, take it farther that way. And I'm like, yeah, why not? And so I looked into it and I was like, I'm going to go to Emily Carr, which is one of the best art schools in North America. Yeah. And so that's what I did. I took uh, advantage of the WHL like program as well. And they, I'm very grateful for them to, to pay and to cover everything that I, uh, they had to cover, you know, uh, Emily Carr, and um, it, I had an awesome time. Here's the thing: I had an awesome time during my my time at Emily Carr, uh, but I was still going through that same thing, right? The the same cycle mentally, um, and deep down, that's when I just started to hit rock bottom, Brady. Like not rock bottom, but that's when I started to head that way yeah um yeah because of you know the air where the area is yeah uh, let's yeah let's just say like i was already dabbling i was already dabbling into you know the cocaine and the, the excessive alcohol and uh pretty much that was the, only those two at the time and then yeah the area like i said i would i had my my classes were at night so which is even worse right and i would get off school and it was just prime time on main street yeah right and uh i was like out of sometimes i would i'd be out of booze i was like oh you know i'll go have a drink or you know instead of, i had a, i would transit all the way from main street to new west so it was quite the quite the transit so i was like you know what? i'll take a road pop for the road yeah. Next thing you know, I was never making it home uh, until the next day or whatever, and that's pretty much. I've got the extremism in my in, my, in me, I guess, and uh, addiction-wise, that don't work well. Not at um, all. <laughs> so that's what pretty much what happened, Brady. I would, uh, even though I was made, producing some wicked art. Can I cut you off for a second? These pictures on your Instagram, is that you? Uh, like the art? Yeah. That, that's yeah. me right there. Yeah. Wow. What about this one? 
No, that's just a picture I found. Okay. I How about that one? Yeah, that's actually, I've got that tattooed on my back. Yeah, I see the other picture of that. That's insane, man. You're super talented, bro. I just sort of cut you off in the middle of your story. No, that's all good. I wanted to share just, uh, I'll share your Instagram. Um, I know it's private. I don't know if you want everybody looking, but I don't know where people could see your art, but it's uh, absolutely phenomenal. I'll show some more pictures at the end of the show, man. Wow. And I just thought you were posting these pictures. I was on your Instagram. I had no, I would have never guessed that uh that you were an artist you know what i mean like it's just a stereotypical kind of uh me stereotyping hockey players they that's all we do there's no way like <laughs> i like this is this you too yes that is me yeah wow this one's so sick bro um wow anyway sorry to cut you off man but no problem man. No i want i wanted to share those with people <laughs> because it, it, it puts it into perspective just how talented you really are i mean emily carr really is one of the most profound art schools around you know i don't know too much about that world all i know is emily cards <laughs> you mean business when you're going there um but continue on man i i know the the area um going downtown i mean it just sort of sucks you in bro like i'll tell you a quick story before you keep going like i never thought i would end up on hastings i was homeless down there for 10 months straight period between there and wally and surrey which are the two worst areas oh, I would go i would oh go back and forth yeah that place is even more worse that's worse than hastings it's, it's smaller but it's way worse in my opinion yes. i uh but i would go back and forth but i'll tell you i got stuck down there bro to the point where i even got as soon as i got out of jail i i was literally back after two years i got sucked back down in there within hours and i'm overdosing down there it just like it was like a magnet just pulling me down there it was like i didn't you start to know people down there and you're there and you know that everyone else is kind of into that life you're not being judged i didn't really know anybody i could just like you know be whatever and it didn't matter and i'd start to uh, i just i spent way too much time down there and i i'm so lucky that i got out of that man and i'm curious as to how how much time in that area and for people watching or listening we're talking hastings street I've, I've said this on the show probably a thousand times if you haven't been through hastings or you don't know what we're talking about do yourself a favor and google it because it's absolutely insanity can't even believe a place like this exists in canada um and just while we're on the topic to everyone that's still down there and i've lost a lot of friends man i was down there for quite a while and i met a lot of people and a lot of people i know overdose and die down there it's no joke and it's a, it's a rough place my dad came on the show jess he's actually a scout for the saskatoon blades he shared stories about looking for me down there, turning over like bodies, literally um, praying that it wasn't me that time. Um, so, you know, the fact that, and Curtis told me, right. He's like, you know, he spent some time down in that rough neighborhood and uh, everything else. And I was like, okay, I was like, I, I need to talk to this guy. Um, and then I come to find out that you and I are quite a bit more alike um, than I would have ever imagined, but sorry to cut you off all those, all this blabbing. I, I want to hear more about, um you know your your time with art school and and what happened after that it's all good Brady. it's all good brady no it's all good like it like like you said man Hastings is a totally different world um it's we lost Jess for a sec, but he'll be back. I know it's loading. Um, while we're while we're waiting for Jesse, um, I'm going to get to a quick sponsor uh, of our friends at Pride Tape. Um, it is Pride Month. Thank you to everyone at Pride Tape. Hockey to Hell and Back is brought to you by Pride Tape. 
Pride Tape is a badge of support from teammates, coaches, parents, and pros to young LGBTQ players. It shows every player that they belong playing the sport they love and that we're all on the same team. Show your support for teammates, coaches, and fans in the LGBTQ community by wrapping your stick with Pride Tape. Every roll of tape will make an impact in sports and beyond. Inclusion starts with leadership. Check out some of the ideas of how you can get involved at youcanplayproject.org. Check out Pride Tape at pridetape.com. For more information, you can send an email to aubrey at pridetape.com. That's A-U-B-R-E-E, Aubrey, at PrideTape.com. You can find PrideTape on Facebook.com slash PrideTape, on Twitter at PrideTape, and at PrideTape on Instagram. PrideTape thanks all of you for being champions for change. All right, I I hope Jess is back there. I think he's coming back. Um, He was back. There he is. He's back. He's back for more Hockey to Hell and Back. You there? I'm having a little connection issue there, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. it's live. It's live broadcasting, really? man. I've had all sorts. Yeah, I got you. I've heard, I've had all sorts of nightmares live broadcasting, man. You have no idea, yeah, so don't even worry about it. I got you. Yeah. Okay. So here we go, Lake. Like you said, um, it's 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 quite. I'm I'm. I'm for the amount of time I just spent down there, like I, I was down there for probably oh a good year off and on. Yeah. And um it was uh it, it started with just going to being being at school there. Like I said, um uh I would finish school and I would just uh like you said it sucks you in. And uh, I would just say, tell myself, I'm just going to this pub here for a beer and I'll go home and help. It would just suck, suck me in. And it started with, oh, I'm going home the next day. I'd go home the next day and then go on with my day and then come back to school. Same thing. Grab a beer or two and end up all there all, all night and uh, go home the very next morning and snowball and then just kept snowballing and then just uh my like any addiction any problem or any illness uh if you don't keep check on it if you don't take care of it as soon as as soon as you can uh it just it will take over you um i I, especially if it's a substance um i i say this to so many people now that been through it like i don't give a shit i really don't give a shit how strong how tough whatever you what whatever you do man like you if you've got an issue if you got a substance to drinking for any type of addiction it will fucking ruin your life if you don't take your handle of it yeah. if you don't take charge of it and that's what happened to me so it's simple plain simple at the end of the day that's what happened i i, I was you go through the phases where you're, you, oh, I got this. And th- you go through a phase where, no, 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 those people are, those people are messed up. I'm not messed up. They are. <laughs> yeah. um, you know? And no, it's the world that's messed up. Like, I'm, you know what I mean? And you go through <laughs> so many phases and then you, it's like, whoa, man. You know, I've, I've, I just laugh at it now, but like, 
I laugh at myself, but I don't, yeah. laugh, you know, yep. you know, no, I know what you mean. but like, yeah, like it's, but like I said, if you do not take charge of any problem, any deep down issue, um, it will take over your life and it slowly, it will deteriorate you. Um, and like, yeah, it's what happened to me in the long run. Uh, thankfully I, I'm just grateful, truly grateful, Brady, honestly, that I realized and figured it out that I needed help, truly needed help. I was powerless to my illness, Yeah, you know, um, that I couldn't do this on my own anymore. And uh, I, I had to, it was, you come to a point in your life where at least I did um, as a man, where I was just like, it's, it's, lost you for a sec there, Jess. Having some, uh, technical difficulties with, uh, with Jess, but he's, he'll be back here in a second. And, um, it's it's really shitty when there's something like this happens and, and it always seems to happen in the deep there he is he's back sorry uh, sorry about the connection issues no it's all good man um like i said like I, um deep down if you if you've got some issues and you're not dealing with them um like I, that's what happened to me um it's just like you said that, that um that place will suck you in Yep. And um, at the time, I I didn't know anything, any other way to or how to like fix what I was going through, other than grab alcohol and grab some drugs and uh, go get fucked up because that's not what I I I, I don't want to be in this headspace right now. Get me out of it. Get me out of it. And um, yeah. Uh, what those one-nighters ended up like three-nighters four-nighters a uh, couple texts where the fuck are you jesse where are you ignoring yeah a, a week later uh a week and a half later okay i better go home now okay i'll go home and then it just it started like that man. and then like i said earlier my own family didn't want to deal with me and uh uh, once uh, school with Emily Carr was done, I was, I went into a severe uh, dark spiral. That's when I just was full time, like a full time user every single day. Uh, nothing else mattered, and yeah. I mean, and I mean nothing else but yeah. drug, drugs and alcohol. Um, it was that was that became my full time job. Of course. And some people and some people look at me like, "What do you mean by that?" And I'm like, <laughs> like, "What?" And I'm just like, "Well, that's oh, that's I get what you say. I get I get your opinion, you know, or your perspective of what I'm what I'm saying. But like, you haven't been through it, right? And to to once you actually live on the streets and realize what that feeling is like, um." when you've pretty much had it when before you had everything yeah on a silver spoon 
you know, like, I'm sorry, man, but like, in recovery, I had thought about a lot of times where I was treated so well in hockey, and those times, I would think all those times, and I was just like, and look at me now, yeah. you know, like, look at me now, and like, um, uh, like, how we were brought up and taught to be this this way like, in, like especially in Kelowna yeah I, I am so grateful and thankful for them for Bruce first yeah. of all for Bruce Hamilton to like to be at the time to be so like on yeah top of, on top of us man yeah you know yeah. At, at the time it was so grueling and like he'd probably Give me a slap in the head for having our, our hats on hats back. backwards. That's man. right. I know. <laughs> you know, so you know what I mean. Like I would going back to that. Like I went from that to that. So like, like you saying, like I never thought I'd end up on Hastings. Like you're totally right, man. You know, it's it's a toy. It was a people will never understand until like you're actually out there what what it's really like and when you've said it tonight i'll say it again uh to whoever's watching man it sucks you in and uh whoever to whoever's watching this thing if you do have an issue or a problem like i and i and i, and I mean it, and brady can second second me or second this when i say this i know it's hard but take charge and take that step and take that that leap because it will save your fucking life yeah. it will save your life and it will you will get to smile again it won't be that fake smile you know <laughs> um you know exactly what i'm talking I know, about buddy everything you're saying i'm like wow like uh this is it's it's incredible. I mean, I, it, it's horrible because I don't wish anybody else to have to go through that. And I never, I'll tell you, I never thought like when I was, I'll tell you something first off about the three, the full-time job, being an addict, especially down there, you want to talk about a full-time job, 24, seven, never mind nine to five, five days a week. That is a full-time 24 hour a day grind. It's the worst job of all time, feeding your addiction and trying to figure out where you're going to get shelter or get a shower or get, not that you really care about shelter or shower. You're just more about the drugs and everything else. But I mean, it's such a grind, like, and it just wears you down and wears you down and wears you down, but it's so hard to get out of. Um, but, yeah, man. Wow. Wow, man. My dad, just a quick before we go any further, I'm going to get to some comments because there's been a lot of comments that have been coming through. But my dad, my dad again says, Good for you, Jesse. Stories are so similar. Not often Brady is lost for words. So it's kind of funny. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty remarkable because I never thought like, especially when I was down there and, you know, I spent a lot of time in jail as well, unfortunately, because I started to do crazy things to feed my addiction. Like there was no limit, man. I, I did everything, breaking into houses, breaking into cars, uh, robbing places, robbing drug dealers, you name it. I did it, did drug collections. I did it all. I had people uh, at one time. I even had drug dealer, like a part of the, one of the biggest gangs in, in the entire 
province. One of them show up to my dad's fire hall. He was a fireman looking for me. Sorry, dad, if you didn't want me, we're open. My dad's been on the show. He knows, but that's where my life got to. Um, had several friends murdered and I was shot at and different things. And just, I never thought though, when I was going through all of that, that another hockey player would ever be in the same position I was in. I was like, I'm the only one. There's no way. This is crazy. And now here you are. And yes, I've met others. And unfortunately, there's been several who have passed away from overdose. Um, tragically, some of my friends as well um, that I played against and with. Um, but wow, man, here you are. We actually, you know, lived almost the same life, same team, same last last game played uh <laughs> i never thought i was going to meet another you know major junior and professional hockey player to go through the similar things and i'm and on top of that we both made it out the other side so that's even crazier but i think do you yeah. think that maybe being a hockey player and having that that competitiveness and having that that just that str that strength that comes with being a high elite athlete of any kind to be able to go all in at something like you said into the recovery world and if so what was the turning point where it's like you know what i'm actually going to take that step and i'm going to go to treatment and if you don't mind i'm curious as to where you went to treatment because i'm i'm very i, I went to a few different ones myself and i'm wondering if we went to the same treatment centers as well but who knows yeah um or did you go to treatment yeah yeah i did go to treatment um took me two tries actually um, yeah yeah, it took me two tries, two very hard tries, man. Yeah, six, seven, six, six or seven, you know, like yeah. I, I've, you know what, man? Yeah. Like, I hats to you and so much respect to you, Brady. Honestly, uh, bro to bro, so much respect for you, bro. Ditto, man. And I mean it, man, because of you know, you can't. It, it's. I came out of it. I came out of that fucking street too. Um, but you did as well, man. And like to, to see and just to see you go like this, man, like I'm, I'm like six times, bro. Like a lot of people go not even a half a month and just call it quits. Yeah. Right. And it's, that it just shows you how hard recovery actually is. Yeah. It's, 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 it's insane. It's, it's, it's one of the most grueling things I've had to go through in my entire life um mentally and physically um uh, very physically you know from the, the the withdrawals first of all the withdrawals is the number one oh my god get me started oh, on that man gets me gives me jitters you know just yeah for, oh. you know and because of people yeah. people don't understand how yeah it's our it became our job to feed our addiction and because we are so physically addicted to it and um one one thing i'm grateful i'm grateful i i i never had to go through physical withdrawals like you did bro um after hearing your story there and i i, I teared up a little bit because of i've seen what heroin and fentanyl does yeah. I, i've been like a, you know to people listening and watching uh brady and i've been on that street and it's what people see on the news what people read on social media that shit is real man and when you're there down there and it's happening beside you and it's 
you know, when it's more than one person at once. Yep. Uh, dropping. Uh, it's that shit's real, man. It, you know, I still have nightmares about that shit to this day. I, I yeah. You know, I've got like like yourself. You've got numerous bodies, and I've got numerous friends and you know, people I you know uh, that that are gone. You know, and uh, it's it's not a joke, man. It's no joke. So, and uh, I'm just grateful, and I never got to with experience those uh, very intense withdrawals. But I had to mentally with yeah, uh, you know, with the types of substances, right? So, um, for me, it was a lot mental, as as cocaine is more mental, like yeah, that's my Right. Um, most physical alcohol is the alcohol. Um, I find was a little easier. You're breaking. Sorry, Jess. You're breaking up. You're breaking up a little bit here. You're breaking up a little bit here. One sec. Let me see here. Let me see here. Sorry, you were breaking up there for a sec there, Jess. Oh, all good. Let's try that. Oh. He'll come back. Uh, we lost him here for a second, um, but wow, uh, my dad is my dad is absolutely right. There's not too often that I'm, you know, lost for lost for words, um, and I'm I'm just super grateful uh, for Jesse coming on the the show um, and opening up in in the capacity that he has. It's uh, you know these are the conversations that I think can really open eyes and, and change lives. Um, that's really why I started this show in the first place um, was to just hopefully get through to one person. And, you know, it's, it's, it's real, right? It's not just a hockey problem by any means. This is a, this is a world global problem of mental illness and addiction and how it can savagely ruin lives and whether that's directly or indirectly through family members and different things, I mean, it's just never seems to end. I, I just want to, while we're here, is give a very special hello to the entire Probert family who is, they've all become friends of mine, which I am so grateful for. There's really no words to it. Um, Danny, Brogan, Tierney, Declan, and Jack. Jack is actually older than... Declan, they're twins. I should have reversed that. But uh, yesterday was Bob Probert's heavenly birthday. So I just want to um, say happy heavenly birthday to, to Big Bob. He's behind me, always right above me. The picture courtesy of uh, Danny Granger. Um, just thinking of the Probert family. And I spoke to uh, them yesterday uh, via text. And um, just, yeah, they, uh, Danny told me that they, uh, celebrated by eating all Bob's foods, um, and being together, which was, you know, always nice to hear. So, uh, hopefully we get Jesse back to finish the conversation, but in the meantime, we'll get through, uh, the last sponsor. And if not, we'll come back. And I was hoping to get to some comments to share them with Jesse, uh, so that he can see, um, and we'll see what happens here, but 
This is First Star Therapy. For any athletes out there looking to get the edge, this is who you want to check out. Pocket of Hell and Back is brought to you by Performance Wellness. The collaboration between First Star Therapy and MindFrame brings a flexible, holistic program to athletes. The goal is to empower and enhance every athlete's well-being on and off the field of play through focus on intentful movement and mindful practices. You can contact them at consult at firststartherapy.com and team at mindframe.info. Plus, you can check them out on the web at firststartherapy.com and follow First Star on Instagram at firststar.therapy and at mindframe on Twitter plus mindframefit on Instagram. Awesome. I'm trying to get through to, excuse me, let me clear my throat for a second. Trying to get through to Jesse via text. I think maybe his phone died. I know he was using his phone. So hopefully he can get his phone charged up or get it rocking on his email. Let's get through to a few comments unrelated to Jesse. We'll kill some time. Hello, David Carlson. Out there in Alberta, hello, David, one of my longest, if not my longest supporter, probably even longer than my dad because my dad was not super supportive. Oh, we got Jesse back. Let's bring him back in. There he is. Hey, don't worry about it, buddy. This connection is having one, I guess. Hey, it happens, buddy. It happens. But... uh, yeah, I, it's, I, I'm curious. While we're while we're uh, we'll get back into it, is you know going to treatment. What was the what was the final step, and and what was that process like, and and how did you feel heading into treatment, um, the first time, the second time, and um, yeah, like where and where did you go? I'm just curious. I think we might have a slight delay. We're having some connection issues, but hello to David. I'm just going to run through some comments. Hello to Tammy out there in Michigan. Ashley Henry, the wife of former Vancouver giant James Henry, Henry, who I fought, by the way, when he was a young buck. Hello to, uh, to Hank and Ashley. That is awesome. Um, that's talking about uh, the true sponsorship, I believe. No tan lines yet. It's because I always have this tank top on. Uh, Matthew Meanser, hello to you in South America. Another great guest. Absolutely. There's a couple for Jesse here. I'm hoping that he can uh, come back. Happy belated birthday, Jesse. My buddy, Danny Cassidy, my former personal coach. Another guy. Uh, this is uh, one of the guys I really looked up to, really looked up to as a kid, had his own struggles and issues. And Danny, I think I need to bring you on the show. You were also the one who introduced me to Ryan Vandenbush. We got Jesse back, but while we're seeing if the connection's good, Sunday night, sorry, Wednesday night, I got Ryan Vandenbush coming on the show. Long time coming. He gave me a stick as a kid at a Chicago Blackhawks practice, which Bob Probert was also at. So very excited to have Ryan Vandenbush on. Jess, you back? 
Yeah, I'm back. Sorry, this connection is horrible right now. No worries, buddy. It, it this can is you hear me? This, yeah, I can hear you. You got me. You're a little slow, but we're good. We'll give it a sec to kick in here. You got me? Okay. There we go. I think I got you. Yeah, it's just I don't understand here. This connection is pretty bad here. <laughs> just, just, hey, just relax, man. You live in Maple Ridge. It's kind of the boonies. If you want, I can send you the link quickly to your email if, if you want it on your computer, but... This is what happens. Danny, what's going on, buddy? What's going on? Dean Smeal says, man, I just thought about this. What a great exclusive deal with True. As since day one, I've been watching this podcast. It's only been true as you need to be true to yourself to come out of addictions. Great point, Dino. Dean Smeal watching from St. Paul, Alberta, I believe. Him and I have been texting during this show. Not a lot because I'm paying attention, but we both had the same question for Jesse, actually. And I, I read it down, wrote it down on a piece of paper as he put it in the comments like 30 seconds before. And I had to text him like, you stole my, my question. So... Stuart Smith, my good buddy out there in Abbotsford. Brady, the screen looks amazing. Congrats on your collaboration with True Hockey. We're... That's better, I think. I think I got you now. There we are. I think. My I think God. <laughs> Just relax, man. We're good. We got nothing but time. Top Punk, you know, that's right. My old neighbors are watching. Hello to Bob and Louise Levis and Porco Quillam. I love you guys to absolute pieces. If it wasn't for you guys, there's no way my dad and my sister and I survive through the entire 1990s into the 2000s. So, Bob and Louise, I know I have written you guys letters and, and things over the years, but please know that I absolutely just – have so much love and respect for you guys. And I don't take it lightly, not one bit what you guys have done for not only me, but my sister and certainly my dad through some of the hardest times. So the fact that you guys are watching um, is pretty incredible. And I'm just uh, super grateful um, to have you guys in my life. That's right. Danny, all the way from the Philippines, Brady. There we go. Babe, I'm on the extent. <laughs> he's got the girlfriend helping him. He's got the girlfriend ha helping him. We'll bring him back here in a second. I think he's. I think he's good to go. This happened to me one time. I did a podcast from the train, and uh, it happens. Cassandra and Troy Curry, the mother of the one and only Lando Snipes, seventeen. Congrats again, Brady. Lando can't wait to join you next summer. Talking about the rollerblade. Very much looking forward to that. Lando and I were at the Rink of Dreams a couple weeks ago. Lando's working hard. He's got big dreams and 
Just know, Lando, I'm here for you all the time. I'm hoping that I can get to some comments here just quickly. We can hopefully Jesse can hear me. I mean, we're going to have to do a part two, I'm sure. Part three, part four. I anticipate him and I have lots to do together in the near future. Well, we're on the topic of Stuart Smith as before. There's a picture of Stuart and Lauren Mulliken, former coach of the Saskatoon Blades and the Weyburn Red Wings. As you can see, Stuart's in the front row wearing the cheddar, the captain of the team. He sent me this picture earlier. Uh, Lauren Mulliken also coached Jesse Astles with the Saskatoon Blades on their Memorial Cup run. Hopefully Jesse can see this. We are proud of you, Jess, and love you so very much to see the changes in you and the man you have become for you to open up and be so straightforward about your addiction and mental illness. We have learned more about you tonight than you have ever shared before. We can't even begin to understand the journey that you have had to endure. Just know that grandpa and I love you so much. I hope you see this, Jess. Can you see that comment? Yeah, I see it. That's uh, yeah. that's your grandma. He's having a hard time with the connection, but I wanted to make sure that he saw this comment. Gotta love the internet connection out there in Maple Ridge. Thank you for watching. Grandma and Grandpa Astles, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for being there for Jesse, and I will echo that as well. I know, <laughs> I know it couldn't have been easy. Um, Jess, when you're ready, give me a thumbs up if you can hear me, and we'll see if uh, see if we can finish this. I can only imagine this is giving him probably some anxiety, and I hope it's not because it's not that big of an issue. We got bigger issues than internet connection problems. Pretty cool that his grandparents are watching. Jess, if you can hear me, give me a thumbs up if you're ready to come back in. Dean Smeal says, Jesse, thank you for sharing. I know it's tough to talk about, but proud of you. Quick question. This is the question that Dino stole from me. Hopefully we'll get to ask him. Did you ever get coached? During your dark days, did you ever get asked by a coach or manager how you're doing or ever asked to help you? It's a great question. I was going to ask the same thing because I know that from my experience, I had zero, zilch, zero coaches, zero general managers ever reach out to me, especially when I was done playing. Typically, they didn't really ask how I was doing during the season or anything. It was show up. Get on the ice. And that's it. Hopefully we can get him back for a couple more quick questions. Heavenly birthday. I love that. That is a great idea. Shout out to Susan Cook all the way upstairs for giving me that quote when I was making the Bob Probert picture yesterday. I said, I don't really know how to frame this. I don't know how to word this. How do we do this? She said, happy, happy heavenly birthday. 
talking about the Bob Probert picture. So this is what I think we do. I think we reschedule another show. I'll bring Jesse back on maybe tomorrow or when it fits his schedule. I don't want him to uh, get too worked up o- over there. I can see him in the in the background um, trying so hard uh, to get his connection to work, and I know the feeling. Um, the guy can come on my show anytime. I'm so grateful. So grateful. I was going to save this for the end. But recently, one of my good friends on Facebook, David Grass, somebody that I've been going back and forth with quite a bit, his dad had been battling some illness and trying to help him along and been trying to help support him. And tragically, David lost his dad, John Grass, a few days back. And so I know there's... John there, 1943 to 2021. There's a picture of him with the Jose Canseco picture that David gave him. He apparently got a crack out of that, cracked up over this picture. Um, I know that he's severely missed. He had strong ties in the hockey community, did a lot of coaching in the Toronto area. David also told me that these podcasts have helped him get through some of the darkest times. And so, David, thank you for watching. Thank you for your support and our condolences. Your dad looks like a sweet, sweet man, and I'm sure you guys have lots of memories together. Thank you for always tuning in, and if it can help in any small way, very, very happy to help in any small way. You know... Give it a, another minute here, guys. Um, but the other day, I uh, was down at the 400 Source for Sports. That's where I did my fitting for the True Skates. And uh, I met a guy by the name of Sean Venadam. Friends with Sean Horswell, who's become a friend of mine. Sean was a professional hockey player who took a terrible hit, and he lost his leg due to complications from surgeries and different things. Uh, he's an amputee. He owns the 400 Sorcerer Sports in Barrie. An incredible, incredible human being. So grateful uh, to have met him. He's going to be joining the show a couple weeks from now. So I'm really looking forward to getting Sean on. Jesse, if you're back there, give me a thumbs up when you're ready. There he is. You good? I hope so. This can yeah. right now. He's back. Who's that? There we go. Hey, listen, by the way, I don't know if you could hear me while I was just just talking there, but we can we can 100% do a part 2 to this as well. Like don't feel like you have to to, to rush around. I, I know the feeling, man, because I've been on several podcasts and we're like, whoa, man, my internet's cutting out and I'm getting like worked up and I don't, I don't want to, I, 
I don't want to trigger any anxiety or anything for you, well, man. I was just, I, I was starting to get a little worked out because I was trying to get this going, this connection. It was just, oh, where I live, it's very frustrating. It's <laughs> Maple Ridge ain't the best for connections. No, I, I hear you, but it's, uh, <laughs> you must live out of town, which I, I kind of like. Do you live out of town? Uh, I live, uh, it's like 240th area. So, okay. uh, yeah. Yeah. Think my, you live. You legit live like right by my kids. I'm pretty sure who I haven't seen in a number of years. Unfortunately, hello to Brooklyn and Brody out there in Maple Ridge. I know my son sometimes watches the show and chimes in, but um, we're gonna, you know, we'll we'll spend a few more minutes chatting here, Jess. Um, you know, it, wherever you want to take it back from, wherever you remember, I, I yeah. Uh, where were we? <laughs> well, we were talking about treatment and and just yeah, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, so yeah, so you asked me where I went to treatment. So I went to treatment at uh, Phoenix Society. Okay, Surrey. It's in Surrey. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like I said, it took me two tries, two hard tries, with a couple actually a couple relapses during treatment. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was quite. Like I said, it was quite the grueling, uh, grueling experience, and uh, mentally, it was the most grueling work I've had to do in my life. Um, still have lots to, to still have lots of work to do. Uh, here's the thing about recovery: you, it's you, you need to work on yourself every day. Yeah. Um, uh, because it, you can never slack. You, need to keep yourself in check or else like i said i don't care how tough how strong you are it will take over you again it will take a grip and you will relapse and every time i've relapsed i've relapsed a hundred times harder yeah. uh, each time and uh that's just how it goes uh folks whoever's <laughs> watching um that's true you're you're hearing this from me and you're, Brady can say this as well. Like you're, you know, you got two tough guys here, you know, who, who, yeah, part from fighting on the ice and everything, but like from just what we had to go through, it's built a toughness in us. And to see two guys like that crumble and end up on the streets, it shows you that it can happen to anybody. Yeah. It happened. Addiction. That's the thing I realized in treatment. Addiction does not give a shit who you are. Um, it will take everything from you slowly or very quickly. Um, for me, it was very quickly. Yeah. And, uh, but like I said earlier, I'm very grateful that I, I realized it and, uh, you know, uh, early enough, uh, in a two year span, two and a half, almost, um, solid addiction, you know, uh, everyday use. Uh, and, and like I said, I'm grateful. I, I closed those doors, uh, instead of, I don't know where I'd be if I went on a, a bender, uh, on a 10 year bender like yourself. Oh boy. Uh, I can't even imagine it. I, I honestly, I can't. Um, it's, it's crazy to me to think that way. Uh, I, my girlfriend and I, you know, think back sometimes and I'm just like, where, where would I be? You know, and my brain can't wrap around it. It's just, it's, that's how 
disturbing and how uh, grueling and torturous and dark that life is. Um, you, you don't you don't even want to think about it. You don't. You can, I can't. At least I. I don't. I mean, I can't wrap my head around it. It's it's done such a it's dug done dug such a deep hole in, inside of me and in and around. Uh, but yeah, I've refilled it. That's the that's the positive thing is I refilled yeah. it and it's compact and it's never getting dug out again. That's I can tell you that because uh, you know I've I've never been better. I've never been stronger mentally and. Uh, I've said this recently, like, I can't do this without my girlfriend. I can't do this without the people I have around me. Um, it's, it's impossible to do this on your own. Yes. Uh, I, I'm, I don't care who you are. I don't care how strong you are. And I'll say it. I'll repeat it till I'm dead. Addiction will take over anything. Yeah. Um, you cannot do it on your own, period period um, I think just you know what I've noticed is that it, from my experience and from uh, I've man I've connected with so many people in this last year that kind of like reach out to me who are either gone through addiction or are currently struggling and I can hear it in their voice it's like and the same I did the same thing my addiction was always trying to justify like oh you don't need to do this or you don't need to tell people like you know I'll deal with it tomorrow but today I'm fine so I'll just continue on this path today and we'll deal with it tomorrow and then tomorrow comes and then you do the same thing over and over again and it's like man like and until finally it's like hey like I, enough is enough and something needs to give and just quickly I want to get to a couple comments Jess of, of people watching um Harry Don says way to go Jess love you cuz that's my uncle. That's your uncle. That's one of my like I call him uncle, but he's he's part of my family. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Thanks for tuning in, Harry. Uh, Carly Carly McLaughlin says such a beautiful and power, powerful story. I've had family members go through similar things, and happy to hear you've overcome your demons. And so am I. Um, your dad is also watching. Um, so proud of you, Jess. Awesome job for opening up your true story. So proud of you. Love, Dad. I appreciate that, Dad. I'm going to give him a call after for sure. That's uh, thank you for watching, James. Uh, I appreciate it, and and I echo all those words. Um, we got a couple more here, Justin. There's a couple questions that have that have come in. One and Dean actually stole stole my question because I I had it written down on the back of this paper, no joke. And then a minute later, he typed this in. So it says, Jesse, thank you for sharing. I know it's tough to talk about, but proud. Proud of you. Quick question. In all of these dark days, did you ever get asked by a coach or general manager how you're doing or did they ever ask you if you needed help? Good question. And uh, you know what? I There's one coach who I actually still touch base and still keep in contact with, and his name's Dan Lambert. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, former Swift current Bronco. Yeah. And um, him and I had a good click together. We we bonded very quickly together because I speak French, right? It's my first language. And same with him. And so when I hadn't seen or like really played with anybody that spoke French or the language, right? And so when I went to Kelowna, it was my first year and they, they hired him. 
And I went up to him. I was like, hey, like spoke to him in French. And then we just clicked. And uh, when I, like I mentioned earlier, when I was going through the family problems there, um, saw a lot of, some incidents happened while I was in Kelowna as well. And some pretty bad ones to the point where I would come home or I would come to the rink one time with a black eye and I just couldn't hold it in anymore. And uh, I remember Dan Lambert walked up to me. He's like, what's going on? You know? And uh, I told him some things were going on at home and, uh, um, and uh, he actually helped me with, to get counseling because I told him, uh, I was close enough with him, and I told him uh, of a bit of what was going on, and uh, yeah, right away he stepped up and was like, you know, I'm gonna get you some counseling. And I, I was uh, when I was six, seventeen, sixteen, seventeen, I was going to counseling uh, like twice a week. Wow, that's that's incredible, and it's it's nice to to know when you have that connection with a coach, it, it doesn't happen, at least from my experience and people I've talked to too often. Um, but I think there's another side to that question as well. Cause I mean, I thought about it. I never really had any coaches reach out to me, but at the same time, I wouldn't, I wasn't really reaching out to anybody myself, you know? So, but I, I think it is important for coaches out there at any level, just to check in on your players, right? Uh, the hockey team is like a family um, one way or another. And those conversations can go a long way, either for immediate, you know, help or help down the road. Even if you coach a guy 10 years ago, especially if you hear he's having trouble, a quick phone call just to say, hey, you know, how you doing? You know, thank you for playing for me all those years ago. Or thank you for putting your body on the line, your head on the line, for sticking up for your teammates all those years ago. Things like that, I think, could go a long, long way. And I don't think it happens often enough, in my opinion. Nowhere near enough. Um, it's it's actually the other way around. It's, I, I, or like, I mean, the other way around, like, guys, like, coaches and staff don't. I still, I truly feel like they don't really care. Yeah. In some way. Um, I, I've played with, I'm not going to name them, but I've played with a couple coaches where like I legitimate, legitimately was hurt. Not just hurt, like going through things outside of hockey, but even just physically hurt where I couldn't play. And they didn't give a shit. I had to play. And that when you play for a guy like that, you think they're going to care about your own well-being outside of hockey? I don't think so. So, um, I still think it's, it's it's still in that phase. You got guys like, you know what, man? Like, I'm happy, really happy, and I respect the guys that are, like, stepping up nowadays and, like, uh, taking charge on, like, you know, like Robin Leonard. Oh my God. He's my buddy. He's my guy. I talk to him all the time, man. I talk yeah. to him all the time. Yeah. He's, like, he's unbelievable. Yeah. You know, like I haven't watched a game of hockey and honestly, it's such a long time. Like uh, just the only hockey I've watched is when I'm at the gym and it's on the TV. And, yeah. but I remember like just being on social media months ago and seeing Leonard just losing his shit on like the COVID thing. And, you know, they're, the players well-being and how they don't care and it's just that shit's real man it's, yeah. it's true 
you know like we're not just hockey players and we're not just fucking guys who put our suits on eat our pregames and go to the fucking rink yeah we're, we're, we're just like the average joe who's uh, who goes to work nine to five you know we're just like you guys it's just the we're you know what i mean like it's just yeah. in the, but like i said i'm glad that like guys like curtis as well yeah um, stepping up and you know uh, uh, you know with the pride and uh that that's awesome as well that's wickedly awesome and then with uh but the main thing is the mental health and the, the yeah. aspect right is is huge it's uh i tell i've told so many people like especially especially in um in treatment you know like a lot of people in didn't understand, like, really, sometimes I would share my story and they would look at me like, well, what are you talking about? And I'm just like, dude, like, I I had to fight at center ice, you know, like, uh, but then at the end of the day, I still go through the same problems as other people's because as other people, uh, but I just have a different lifestyle. That's, you know, um, but like some people think like the fans, especially, they really need to know, like, like, especially what enforcers go through. Right. Mm -hmm. That's another thing that needs to be put out there is the anxiety. And like I said, mentioned earlier, the self doubt, especially what I went through. Um, like I said, is I would, sometimes I wouldn't even eat my pregame because of my anxiety, you know, of knowing uh, I was having to fight this guy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to have to fight this guy. Uh, and then this, this other guy after who's going to want a piece of me, you know. Um, and then two days later, or between those two days, after that, I got to do my more homework and figure out who I'm going to fight. Because just, just that's how, it's how it was, man. You know, uh, it wasn't... Uh, I'm trying to explain to people like, listen, man, like uh, hockey ain't just hockey. Like people mm. think it is, <laughs> and nowadays, at least, it's just like people, uh, pro athletes say it's all mental. It's true. It's all mental. It's not just physical. And like, go go train and eat eat your meals and prepare for camp. You can be as physically fit as you can, but if you're not fit up here you ain't gonna go anywhere 100 percent, and it's never been more clear to me ever and and touching on the things with uh you know especially on the enforcer side have you ever seen the documentary ice guardians yeah and to this day i've yet to be able to finish it there so my buddy adam scorgy actually uh produced it um he did he's done a few films um and he just got the rights to a very exciting one that I'll tell you off the air. Remind me, I can't, uh, it hasn't been announced yet. He told me, so I can't really tell everybody publicly, but holy shit, am I excited to see this documentary. And, and I'll just tell you, um, you're probably going to love it as well. It's uh, Everyone's going to really love it, to be honest. And he just does amazing work. But I would suggest if you can sit down and, and finish watching that for sure. Um, they do a great job, but it's, it, it's true, man. Like it, yeah. it's crazy it's uh, like i said I've, i haven't been able to finish it because it hits home to me too much uh, too much um, okay yeah i'm just i'm a very emotional guy 
Me too. Uh, yeah, and uh, after going through what I've gone through, and that my uh, after going through addiction, I've true. I feel like it's made me even more emotional. Yeah. Um. <laughs> just you know, just in general. Um. Right after, because when when you go through treatment, you find that's the, the that's the time where you you surrender and you let everything out. You have no choice, right? And uh, and I feel like it's made me a lot more. Uh, it's made me, I get uh, attached and I get emotional a lot quicker. Um, uh, it's just uh, just me as a person, right? And. Uh, so it's, when I watched those things, that really hit home to me. Like, uh, I just. I cry all the time, buddy. And uh, like the Bob Probert documentary, man. Like, buddy, if I, if I didn't watch it with my girlfriend, I wouldn't have been able to finish it. It was it was pretty. Like, not just because that guy was my idol, but like, uh, it shows you like the the fierce uh and that this guy had and like yeah the the work that you have to do to play that role yeah it's it's not just i get it's fighting but it's 10 percent fighting yeah i in my opinion it's 10 percent fighting it's 90 percent mental um not every fucking guy on the team can do it, obviously. Only a certain dudes, but like, man. Uh, one thing I remember out of the Ice Guardians is when they, uh, I mean, I've, I've, I got to finish, I got to watch the very last bit of it because, like I said, I was in tears half the time, right? Yeah. But I do remember one line, and it was, I think it was, uh, uh, one of my other idols, Semenko, yeah, saying, saying, "Would I do it all over again?" Fuck, I broke down myself. You know, like I, I get teary eyed right now, man. Like, straight up, man. Like, it's people don't understand, man, what it's like and what you go through on a daily basis, right? For for the boys beside you, yeah. but you know. Um, I would do it all. I would do it all over again. The fucking heartbeat, man, because of the the joy and the fucking the feelings it brings you. Right? There's nothing. There's nothing like it. And nothing that's like why, it, man. That's why Patrick Marlowe said it, man, a month ago. There's nothing like it. You go into the fucking rink and seeing the boys, right? Yeah. And then yeah. when you don't when you don't have that anymore, man, it's like I. It, so many of us, it's like, why even live anymore? You know. And going back to the Probert documentary, like I'm very lucky that I've become close with the entire Probert family. I've had Danny on the show. I've had Bob's wife on my podcast. I was texting with her yesterday. Um, I was on a live video with his youngest daughter, Declan, on Instagram. They're supporters of Puck Support and everything I'm doing. And like I, we talked about it on there about when she was on my show and I've talked to her about it off the show as well. Is like, what was it like? what was it like for Bob? Like he was the toughest guy arguably ever and in the league. And what was he like, like at home? And, and she just, she like almost broke down too, just to a nervous wreck sometimes, you know, like having to deal with it. And you don't think that somebody like him, the big tough guy would ever have to go through that. 
Um, but it happens to everybody that plays that role. There's not one guy that I've met that played a, any style of hockey in that capacity where he knew he possibly having to fight that night that didn't wasn't feeling that way as well. Like everybody, including myself, you're trying to figure out: is he right-handed? Is he left-handed? How many fans are in the stands? Am I going to get knocked out in front of everybody? Like you know, and it's just it's it's a crazy, crazy feeling, man. Um, but I agree with you. I, there's nothing in in my uh, and this goes outside of hockey there's really nothing aside from losing time with my kids there's nothing that i regret um because i i truly believe that every life experience i've gone through through all the hockey shit all the the homelessness the crime the jail the everything uh it's put me in a position where i'm at right now doing something that is this is beyond my wildest dreams of the connections and friends and where I'm at personally. Like maybe I don't have lots of money in the bank and I never had this long NHL career that I dreamed of my whole life. But personally, like when I wake up in the morning and I have to like look myself in the mirror, I've never been better. Like I can legit look in the mirror and understand who I am and, and, and where I want to go and what I need to do. And the things I've done and, and you own that and you take responsibility for it and you move on and you learn. And I, I, I just, I'm grateful for all these experiences I've had. Cause you know, like you, we've lived this life of, you know, here and here that most people will never get to play hockey at the level we go to. Most people will never know what it's like to be homeless and addicted and everything. So we've had all these crazy experiences that I really believe put us in a, a very unique position to do something great with it. And finally, I know that I am, and it's, you are ready to just live your life of who you are and be emotional and cry if you want to cry and, and do whatever and, and, and know that, you know, the, the opportunities are endless. Like, look at this, man. Like this is, this is serious, serious talent here. Like, <laughs> you know, um, while we're on the topic of that, cause I forgot to show this comment earlier, we're going to wrap it up in a few minutes, almost at two hours, but I want to bring you on, back again uh, my friend sam she uh she's got a friend who's a tattoo artist and she they're full of covered in tattoos she says those would make some sick tattoos and i know you said you have it on your back do you do you tattoo or do you just get tattoos uh no so i love getting tattooed um yeah. <laughs> that's one of my other addictions for sure yeah. um other than golf as well, I forgot to mention that's my pretty much my new addiction now. Is pretty okay. much golf. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I would. Here's the thing. So when I was going to Emily Carr, I was uh, en route to like uh, sort of become a tattoo artist, but then I had other options work wise that were in the works. So I was kind of just playing with it. Um, but I was sort of kind of like setting myself up for it as well. Like I was actually wanting to do it. Um, but then I, uh, I kind of just hit a wall with it because uh, I was going hard into it, like art wise and my uh, pieces, my art pieces, like scale wise, like size and size wise, I was just putting so much time and effort into it. And then I was, you know, building my portfolio and here's the thing like where where we live like bc at least where i live like vancouver as well like it's so much competition right for mm -hmm. art and tattoos or tattoos uh, in general so there's so many tattoo shops so when i 
got my portfolio ready, I went to so many shops and I was pretty much just told like, man, you got sick work, but you, we're full, we're full, we're full. Well, we got a wait list or pay three, four grand and you can do your apprenticeship. I'm just like, God damn, man. Like, I just want to get started. And I just, at the same time, I was going through, you know, my mental and my addiction and being, you know, told, uh, just being kicked out of the door, you know, uh, without any apprenticeships. I was just like, I just kind of gave up, to be honest. Um, Yeah, to be honest, I kind of just gave up with it, man. And uh, life just, you know, went on. But ever since uh, when I went into treatment, I picked it up again. Um, I was actually teaching art in treatment. Um, I was I was teaching art class in treatment, and uh, that was pretty cool. And I that got me back into the vibe and uh, back in you know the the groove. And but uh, but then I left treatment, and I got. I uh, found my new addiction, like I said, and which is golf. <laughs> well, on that topic, a friend of mine, Stuart Smith, he's a firefighter on Abbotsford. I was talking about him earlier. He's watching. He says, Jesse, we need to hook up for a round of golf with Brian, which is my dad. Because my dad is – my dad's seriously on the golf course like four or five days a week. And I can't wait. Like, I'm, I haven't been back home. I'm in Ontario now, and I haven't been back home in four years. I haven't seen any of my family in four years, um, and I can't wait to actually go back and, and play golf. So when I come back, the four of us will have to get together and go play a round of golf. Um, For sure, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I think, Jez, listen, I think we're going to wrap it up. We're almost at two hours, but we're going to have to do a part two of this and, and come back on. There's going to probably be a lot of questions. Um, we usually get around 1,000 to 1,500 people watching per episode, whether it be live or mostly um, after the fact, downloaded on Apple Podcasts podcast or spotify those those places so the audio will be available everywhere after as well and uh i know that there's going to be a, a lot of questions you're probably going to get uh, a few more podcast requests um from other people as well moving forward and um i just man i'm very very grateful um for you to come on here and, and share your story so openly with me i know that um you know it's essentially maybe the first time and I know that it's not always easy uh but I've I've man you did an amazing job and the, the gifts that you have and the talents that you have uh will continue to open up doors for you man and it's just the beginning bro it's just the beginning um you're finding yeah I'm finding yeah. so yeah 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 and yeah. uh you know you're you're lucky you said you know you didn't can imagine what going on a 10-year bender would do well when you just remember when you said like when you think you can't get any worse or how it goes even deeper and faster take it from me man all of a sudden you know i did three years in jail and everything else and just yeah. just yeah. it's not good and and that's the places that that life will take you and if that's not the place the only other place is in the ground buddy so you know straight up man straight up you, you couldn't have said it any better it's death institution or jail that's it that's it death institutions or jail that's where you're gonna end up yeah and plain and simple just nobody that this conversation that we had tonight is is gonna help quite a few people man and uh I'm, I'm super proud of you and just know that there's not a day you have my number everything you ever have a hard time or whatever um here for you 100 i'm gonna stay in contact with you and uh while we're here i want to say thank you to curtis gabriel for 
for making this happen because he knew something um, and that this conversation needed to be have and had. And I anticipate that you and I will probably do some stuff down the road together. Um, and I'd love to, I'd love to share more with you about what I'm doing with puck sport and this rollerblade across Canada and, and different things. And when I'm out that way, I'm going to get you on some rollerblades. You're going to rollerblade with me through maple. Oh, yeah, awesome. You can bring it home. You can bring it home with me right into Poco Quillam, the last events actually in Poco. So wouldn't that be cool? I'm down. Count me in, bro. All right. I can't wait, man. I'm putting it on my calendar and um, thank you to your girlfriend too, for letting us bore you for a couple hours and for supporting you and helping you get the connection back. So thank you to her so, so much. No, my pleasure, Brady. Thank you for letting me come on board. And uh, like you said, it's, um, it's not easy sharing some certain things that happen in your life sometimes, but here's the thing. I, after going through it, um, I've had uh, numerous people, in the last few months reach out to me um, due to their own issues. And that just shows vulnerability and comfort that I bring to others. Right. And that's, yeah. what, that's all that's, I, I mean, that's what I do now. That's all I try to do is because uh, whoever's listening, um, watching, uh, send me a message, DM me if you ever need or, have any issues or like brady said to me if i ever have any problems i can call brady or message brady i say that to everybody that goes through things because i hate to see people suffer nowadays um i don't want anybody to go through what i went through period and that is that right there my friend is why you will be successful in recovery having that attitude being of service to others will go a long long way not just for them but for you as well. Uh, that was music to my ears, buddy. I appreciate that, Brady. Again, thanks for having me uh, tonight, and uh, it was a pleasure. Thank you. I look forward. I look forward doing to doing it again. And thank you to all of your family for watching. Um, pretty awesome, buddy. Yeah. Keep up, keep up the good work, buddy. Thank we'll you, Brady. See, we'll see you sometime in late July, August for the roll next year uh, when I'm rollerblading through there. Well, we're definitely getting together, buddy. Awesome! I cannot wait. Right on, okay. Beauty, yes. Thank you, man. Thanks you for bet. having me. Anytime. Awesome. How cool was that, guys? Thank you to Jesse Astles. Um, we got through it. We had some glitching connection issues. That's what happens when it's live. Love it. That was one of my favorite podcasts I've ever done. Not gonna lie. No question about it. It it was like listening. To myself and that's not why i think it was one of the best podcasts but it just it's these conversations that i believe will really open up doors open up conversations these are the conversations that i believe can change the world not just in hockey but beyond thank you jesse for all your courage sharing your story with us here on hockey to hell and back I truly, truly, greatly appreciate it, man. I'm so proud of you. Thank you to everybody for watching, sticking with us for the entire two hours. This is the longest podcast I've ever done. But when a conversation goes that way, you don't stop it. You're going to have to bring him on again. I know I promised we were going to give away some pride tape. But I think we'll do that on the next episode. I'll give away like four or five rolls. So 
Um, if anybody does want any pride tape, and I don't want to make this too overwhelming for me, but anybody watching live right now for the next five minutes, if you really are dying to get a roll of pride tape and you're watching this live, only if you're watching it live, send me a message and I'll make sure you get some. It is pride month. We can all do more uh, to further the message of equality in hockey and sport and beyond. I wanted to get to this earlier, but here at Hockey to Hell and Back, here at Puck Support, we are thinking a lot about the 215 children that were found in BC at the residential school. These are issues that have happened in the Canadian history, and I just have been praying a ton for all of those who have been affected, not just from this discovery, but who have been affected for years from the brutal treatment that they received. Every child matters. Our thoughts and prayers go out to all of those who have been affected. I took First Nations uh, in grade 12 while I was in Swift Current by correspondence and the First Nation healing process the ceremonies was a big part of how I got through being incarcerated. It was the one thing that really brought peace to me. The drum ceremonies, smudging. I'm not kidding. It, it literally saved my life while I was in there. There's something very, very important about that culture, about the healing properties. I talked about with Wacy Rabbit, how I was washed over with water and it was just one of the most freeing experiences I've ever had in my life uh, by an elder that came in volunteering while I was incarcerated. I'll never ever forget it for the rest of my life. You guys saw the orange ribbon obviously that's what that is for but I wanted to touch on that before I go once again thank you to Curtis Gabriel fellow puck support warrior doing his part in the NHL surrounding the LGBTQ community but he's also been nominated for the King Clancy Award. And he's one of the finalists. Congratulations to everybody who was nominated, especially P.K. Subban and Pekka Rene for all their amazing work. But my heart lies with my good friend Curtis Gabriel and not just, not just because he's my friend. There's no more deserving individual in the NHL that deserves this award for leadership than Curtis Gabriel. Curtis, good luck, but in my books, you've already won. Thank you for connecting me with Jesse Astles. Let me check my paper, make sure I'm not forgetting anything because I know I am. Last thing I want to say. I've, I've been doing a lot of things. I've, I've thought a lot about Stephen Pete lately, former tough guy in the NHL who I've heard is struggling in my hometown of Port Coquillum, originally from Langley, BC. He's in this situation much like myself and Jesse were in, and I pray for him all the time. Stephen, if you ever watch this, please reach out to me. I don't care about a podcast. just want to have a conversation with you. Cause I'll never give up on trying to get through to you. I've been trying to get your number and talk to you and I've kind of had every door slammed in my face. I've gotten close, but I've been told that you don't want to talk to anybody, 
but I hope that you can find your way out of the hell because there is a life on the other side of it. And a damn good one at that if we want it. So I'm thinking of you, Petey. Anyways, guys, that's it. We'll see you all hopefully Wednesday night with Ryan Vandenbush. I can't wait to have Bushy on. Episode 54, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, sharp, June the 9th. Former NHL enforcer, Ryan Vandenbush. Until then, guys, take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. Be kind. Be grateful. And remember, have a great day, if you so choose. I want the real stuff, everybody listen up Cause I'll only say it once, I'm gonna show you all the path If you want it bad, I'm gonna show you every side Yeah, how you can get it back, yeah, cause I ain't never done I'll be number one, working hella hard until I get just what I want, yeah Rise just like the sun, yeah